prosecution outlined how accounting practices fuck? What? what kind of likeness is that? If they were great artists, they'll be in a museum. And fucking fodder for cartoonists now. And welcome back to Gutter Boys, episode 101. Whoever would have thought that we would have made it past this. And uh, after the love fest of episode 100, we are back to the same old shit of... uh, (laughs) We're in full Dalmatian cosplay now. We are furries (laughs) and uh, 101 Dalmatians themed episode for this one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the furry community is where the money is. Uh, very they true. always want commissions. Mm-hmm. This new Zelda game has them going fucking crazy with some of the designs in it. Uh, it's pretty <laughs> insane. So, <laughs> sorry, your dog. <laughs> that no, that, that was that's actually my furry persona. Ah, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually Alicia <laughs> in uh, in full fur suit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Alrighty, well today on the feed we have a uh, special guest, Zach Sally, who kind of came out of nowhere, uh, because, uh, I mean, I was definitely aware of his work, but we were talking about, you know, guests we were going to have on the show, and uh, he was not on the upcoming list, however, um, he does have a brand new book out, Sammy the Mouse, uh, book three, via his own publishing imprint, Lamano, as well as uh, Kilgore, and uh, we get into it with Zach about kind of everything, and uh, his hiatus away from comics, and what it was like to do comics, uh, stop comics and then get back into it and everything in between. So uh, it's a Alicia, pretty... shut up. Yeah, Alicia, <laughs> shut, shut up. the fuck up and play the rock Sorry. video. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So uh, pretty lengthy interview. So we're gonna keep it short here. Uh, yeah, I'll let you talk since this dog keeps fucking barking. Yeah, pretty good interview. Uh, it's just two hours of us talking about low. So yeah, uh, that's what you're into. <laughs> uh, have fun on this one then. Uh, no, no, we actually don't really talk about music, uh, which I was kind of surprised by. I thought we would eventually touch on Yeah, I wanted to get into it, but we were running pretty long, uh, just off the comics, so I was like, ah, you know what, it's gonna, we're gonna have to come back another day for this. You know, here Mm. at Gutter Boys, it's minimal effort, maximum profits. That's right. We'll have them back on a bonus episode, and we'll get into the, the Mormon lore of Lowe. Yes. How about that? Um, yeah, so speaking of Maximum Profits, patreon.com forward slash gutterboys. JB just did an interview with Alex Knoll about uh, all things CZF from the organizer's side. Uh, pretty good interview. Definitely check that out. Plenty of content in the archives. Uh, that's uh, patreon.com forward slash gutterboys or gutterboys.top for $5 a month. You can binge everything in the Gutterboys Patreon vault. What a deal. Uh, but no, continue to support us so we can make it to episode 200. Uh, we've got about enough money to make it to episode 108. About now, so <laughs> yeah, I don't care uh, either way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this attitude is uh, brought to you by these wonderful sponsors. So uh, stick around, and after the break, we'll be back with Zach Sally. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Meow. Sid the Cat magazine is out now. If you've ever been to an amazing rock and roll show and thought, I wish I could experience this moment again, but in comic form, then Sid the Cat magazine is for you. 
Fiercely independent show promoter Sid the Cat have joined forces with comics journalist Andrew Greenstone to bring you an ongoing publication that documents the SoCal indie rock scene. This stunning 52-page full-color magazine features comics, articles, photos, and illustrations from a rotating cast of local illustrators and writers. It's a celebration of Sid's artists and venues and supports those keeping the bleeding edge of the indie music scene alive. Our first issue covers musical artists Big Thief, Illuminati Hotties, Mike Kroll, Fucked Up, Finn Lilly, Katie Kirby, Kate LeBon, Cursive, Christian Lee Hudson, No Win, and so many more. If you are a fan of comics, indie music, zines, rock reports, or community by the way of culture, order a copy now at SidTheCat.com forward slash Sid dash zine. Again, that's SidTheCat.com forward slash Sid dash zine. And now, a few words from our sponsors, the Santo Sisters. Se ocurre algún problema, no temas que enseguida. Las hermanas Santos aparecerán para salvar el día. Son rivales para la hermana santo El mal con su magia Ellas detendrán No importa el problema En cualquier situación con ellas contarás El crimen no tendrá donde esconderse A plena vista solo son chicas normales Pero cuando los problemas aparecen Son superheroínas muy sensuales Santos, las hermanas santos Como ellas no hay tanto Rust Belt Review is a quarterly comics lit magazine featuring serialized and short form comics from some of the most exciting cartoonists in the small press scene today. Volume 1 features work from Gutter alums, M.S. Harkness, Audra Stang, and Caleb Arecchio, along with work by Andrew Greenstone, Sean Knickerbocker, and Juan Jose Fernandez. You can order your copy of Rust Belt Review today by going to rustbeltreview.org. Enter in promo code GUTTER to receive two bucks off your order. Again, that website is rustbeltreview.org. Promo code GUTTER. Athenium Comic Art is an original art website for some of the best cartoonists in the business. They currently represent Remy Boydell, Marie Capel France, Nicole Gu, Jonathan Hill, Emma Hunsinger, Casey Nowak, Micah Song, and Tilly Walden. Athenium Comic Art gives fans the opportunity to own original piece of art from their favorite comics and support the artists that they love. In their short time in business, they've already shipped many iconic pages out to hardcore fans across the globe. Don't miss out on your chance to own a one-of-a-kind piece of history. Check out their website, AtheniumComicArt.com, and type in Gutter Gang at checkout to receive free shipping on your first order. Again, the website is AtheniumComicArt.com, and the code is GutterGang.
Morning, Gary. Morning, Marianne. Need a menu? Nah, I'll just have the usual. You sure do love your eggs and coffee, Gary. Best way to start your morning, Marianne. Well, that and an issue of Town and County. What's that? Town and County is a new comic series written and drawn by cartoonist Alex Nall. He's that guy that wrote them books about teaching and that Mr. Rogers feller. Oh, he was such a nice man. The first issue is 36 pages of black and white comic stories with beautiful color covers and features six stories about folks in our little township here in Illinois, like Susie Barber, the house cleaner that uncovers her client's dirty laundry, if you know what I mean, and Stanley Pepper, that big feller that just lost his job and took to drinking every night at Bugs's Tavern. Well, ain't that something? Town & County is published by Ivy Terrace Press, headquartered in Chicago. Chicago? Who would want to live there? So dirty. Each issue comes with a copy of The Hometown Hero, our little town's newsletter, and it's only $8. $8? Where can I get it, Gary? You can order a copy of Town & County on the internet at storeenvy slash alexnallcomics. Oh, there's your breakfast, Gary. Thanks, Mary Ann. Ah, nothing like a cup of coffee and a good comic book. The Last Aviatrix is a post-nuclear adventure comic by independent Los Angeles-based cartoonist Buster Cagle. The story follows Summer, our last aviatrix, who pilots the sole surviving airplane, a nuclear-powered B-29, as she travels the ruined world finding ways to survive and help humanity while dealing with the eminent threat of the Atomborn, a rare breed of atomic wizards that want to see her out of the sky. Her mission becomes complicated when she accidentally picks up Henry, an Atomborn child who wields incredible power, and Clementine, a berserker on a quest for vengeance. Can our aviatrix survive this ruined and irradiated waste Land? Every issue can be read for free on BusterCagle.com slash comics. Paper copies can be ordered as well, but, you know, you can still read it for free. If you like Wizards or Warplanes, go check it out. Now, back to our program. back from the break and uh, for this episode we are joined with minneapolis-based cartoonist and educator zach sally uh zach how are you doing today i'm all right how are you guys doing uh doing well man can't complain how about you cam yeah definitely uh here and uh, excited to talk to you today oh yeah um, me too got a nice fat stack of books yeah, I was looking over all that today. Yes. Thank you. You're very generous with everything you sent us, Zach. Cool. Made sure to read the new issue uh, from Kilgore of Sammy the Mouse, book three, uh, which is, I guess, why you're here. Uh, that's what you're here to promote. You've kind of, I would actually up front, um, want to ask, uh, Lamano, is that your own printing imprint or is that just something else that's based in Minneapolis? No, that's my thing. I realize I, I, uh, I want to make a shirt that says invisible for 30 years. But I've been doing Lamano since 1993. Okay. And 
I mean, I started originally, I was just doing zines and whatnot. And um, then in yeah, 92 or 93, I was living out on the West Coast and decided that I wanted to like make it into a quote unquote label, you know, which meant virtually nothing. But, um, <laughs> you know, just that I'd start putting when I put out zines, I'd put it out on my own label called Lamano. Of course. And then and so I did a bunch of that. And then 2005, I bought a uh, printing press and I kind of nice. I left low and I decided I was going to try and make a make a run at being a publisher, you know, like less zines, more real books. So I put out the first thing I put out was John Porcelino's Diary of Mosquito Abatement Man. But yeah, I've been putting stuff out sporadically on Lamano for for 30 years. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was thinking that's what that um, you know, I was familiar with the Porcelino title and um, you know, I was thinking that maybe you were running that, but I didn't want to, you know, misspeak there. So I mean, obviously that shows that you've had roots in small press since 93. Was Lamano like the first stuff you ever released or were you doing stuff before that? No, I mean, I think the first zine I did, you know, me and John P and I think my my generation of cartoonists were all the generation, you know, I kind of hate terminology like this, but when the zine revolution happened, you know, I feel like that that came from, you know, this time when actually copy machines became pretty accessible to people. You know, before that, there was no there was no real easy or accessible way for you to print your own stuff. And I, yeah, I mean, a lot of people my age, it's kind of like, you know, you were 12 or 13 and somebody worked in an office and you got to go like copy stuff and make it on a copier. And that was pretty life changing, you know, but by the time I was 20, 21, it was like Kinko's copies was every place. And, and, uh, right. It was just that first flush of like, not the first flush, but the first different flush of a, of a, you know, the ease of self publishing became easier than ever before. You know, it was a really, it was a really cool time. There's a lot of zine trading and, um, you know, distros, I guess, happening, especially with spit and a half, I guess, kind of starting around the same time. So were you engaging with the culture by, you know, moving around? Were you playing in bands at the time and taking your zines on the road? How are you engaging with the culture back then versus now? I mean, now, you know, I mean, I should I should state off off, you know, at the front end. It's I, I kind of purposely um, sort of ducked my head out of comics for a few years. So I'm sort of, you know, talking to you guys and a couple other people is me sort of within the last year, I've sort of dipped my toe back in. I had to, I had to just stop for a while, but that, that couple of years was, I think, you know, one of the only times in my entire life where I feel like, uh, like I haven't been connected to that community, you know, but in answer to your question, I, I think when I first started doing it and when I was in bands and this is certainly true for John and a lot of folks, uh, you know, where the lines between being in a band and making music and having a zine and, making comics and doing art, I think those lines were extremely blurry and they all kind of fit in this same large pot of, of just kind of underground DIY culture, you know, the same thing like Jaime has, Jaime has however many years on me, but he was doing punk flyers, you know, like because his brother was in Dr. No, you know what I mean? It was just real this. Yeah. We always talk about like the Venn diagram and like music and comic, like there's always an intersect, you know, like uh, with, you know, cartoonists and like music and like the scene, you know, of both scenes, actually, you know, music and it's like very homogenous as far as like both of them and kind of fluid as far as going, you know, back and forth. You see a lot of artists doing that. Now, I do want to kind of talk about, 
you know, your break that you mentioned, was this like self-imposed? Were you just burned out? Like, why did you take a step away for a few years? You know, post, uh, well, how, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, I had a total meltdown, a uh, total of as complete meltdown as I've ever uh, experienced in my life. And I think at that, at that point, I was kind of like, I think maybe I, I need to stop being a cartoonist. And I think I actually need to stop being an artist for a while to just uh, uh, reevaluate my relationship to that, to that whole thing. And that makes it all sound like, uh, you know, like I was uh, thoughtful and deliberate about it, but I was kind of like, I need to, I just need to fucking, I need to shut down for a while and uh, reassess everything from the bottom up and, and see, and see if I still want to do this, see if it's still a, a you know, sure. I think for, for me, it was kind of like, I mean, I think it was before the camera, I mean, before we started taping, but I mean, I was teaching comics for 14 years and that was something I never thought I'd end up doing. But I mean, I've made, I've made my life as a working artist, you know, since I was 22 and, uh, and that, um, I think there's some dangers that come along with that, you know, and you know, when the thing that you, when the thing that you do also becomes the thing that you need to do to bring in money or frankly, to fucking feel okay about yourself. You know, I think there's some concrete walls you can run into after doing that for a really long time. And, uh, and I, I ran into them hard. You know, I mean, I think, I think during COVID everybody, <laughs> everybody had some real long, hard looks in the mirror about just about every, just about everything. And, um, and the way things shook down for me, it, that was, that was a part of it, you know? So you want to keep talking about so that? The it's whole... super fun. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you yeah, know, man, I do want to talk about, you go. know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a very valid thing. And I would say that when you take a break from creating or, you know, whether it be burnout or, you know, just because you hit a wall, whatever the cause may be, or, you know, voluntarily, you know, you can always kind of come back with a new perspective. Do you feel like, you know, now that you're creating again, you do have a new perspective on things at all? Or do you feel like it's kind of just back on the saddle? No, I mean... I think it's a, I, and I hope when I explain that it wasn't a sort of, I mean, it, it was awful and brutal and, and terrible on all kinds of levels, but I think it was really helpful and really necessary. And it was something that, um, you know, it, there's these forces of inertia, you know, where you just keep, you're like, I am this thing and I do this thing and this is what I am and this is what I do. And you get to a certain point and you're like, uh, that can't be the sum totality of how you view yourself, you know, or like I have this compulsion to do this thing. And at a certain point you're like, well, that's a compulsion, you know, like why, why are you actually doing this? And, uh, and it was, you know, it wasn't making me, I, you know, I, I just kept doing it and doing it. And then I was like, this isn't making me, this isn't making me happier. It's not making me a better person. What the, what the fuck's, and I don't know why I'm doing this, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah. And I'm, you know, I, I think I, I said this in other podcasts I did, but it's, you know, the the way the fucking world is going right now, it's. Yeah, you, you know, don't have to just, tell me, brother. No, yeah. I mean, just doing your little <laughs> comic books, it's like it's beautiful and it's wonderful, but it it's just, you know, right now the, the stakes are higher seemingly for everything. And um, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't have any solid answers for that, but I, I do know that I had to find different and better reasons to want to make comics again. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like such a relatable feeling to have, you know, about your work. And since we're all creatures of habit 
you know, eventually we start questioning why we do the things that we do, especially when they stop bringing us the joy and the satisfaction, which led us to the thing in the first place. Yeah. And since we all, you know, we all do this thing, it's like, it's not, and never has been money, you know? (laughs) Right, right. You know, in, in one way it's, you know, if you, if you are making a living at this, you know, I mean, I know I am friends with a couple cartoonists who do make a living at this and they, they work like maniacs, you know, they just, you know, they just, yeah, it's thankless, (laughs) you know, and actually I was, you know, I was hanging out with Noah Van Skyver at TCAF and it was really nice because we hadn't had a chance to catch up for a while, but it was just, I mean, that guy, he works like an animal, you know, and he always has, he's just a totally dedicated comics machine. And, uh, I mean, I think you, you know, that's, if you are going to have this be, or you want this to be like, this is the way I make a living along with, this is my very personal art. I mean, I think there's, there's very few ways to do that, that aren't 110%, you know, and no, I, I mean, just as we're, as we're talking right now, it's like, I love comics, but I'm not, I'm not 110% comics, you know? For sure. Do you feel like there's ever been like a period where you were like 110% comics? And do you feel like, what are the advantages and disadvantages to that? Wow. You guys are asking me questions that are making me think about stuff that I hadn't thought about before. Um, (laughs) I think. The thinking man's pod. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) I mean, I, I, I think, you know, uh, I always, again, with the sort of reassessment of your relationship to the whole thing, I mean, I think a lot of my life, I sort of beat myself up for not being 110% or not being able to go 110% on comics because it felt like, you Mm -hmm. know, because again, that's the reality. It's like, if you want to do this, that's what you have to do. And, you know, even saying it out loud right now, it's like, I was super mad at myself the whole time I was in low for not being 110% on comics which is fucking crazy. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you know, what I, I mean, you know what I mean? Like I'm on tour. Like we toured like maniacs. We worked, I mean, you know, like we were my 12 years in low, we were incredibly busy. Yeah. All the, you know, the yeah. amount of music we kicked out, the amount of touring we did. It's like, it was, that was life consuming, you know? And, and, you know, I just look back and it's like the whole time it was that, that low was that life consuming the whole time I was sort of beating myself up for not working on comics more. Was comics your escape from making music? Like not necessarily an escape, but like your additional outlet, like, is that how you treated it? Maybe. Or did you try to put them first? No, I mean, I think, I think I've always had like a, a love, a love hate relationship with comics, you know, because I do, I do love them. And as you, as you guys know, it's, this is not woe is me, but it's like, it's really, it's a, it's a shit ton of work. You know, it's a, yeah, it sucks. it's a, it's an, <laughs> it's a totally insane amount of work that I don't think folks who, you know, and I, I used to speak to this a bunch when I was teaching, you know, like, I feel like your job, if you're a really good cartoonist, if you're a really fucking good cartoonist, you're invisible. You know what I mean? Like you are, you are working your tail off making comics so that people can have this seamless reading where you don't, 
necessarily show up at all, you know, where they never kind of realize that they're, that they're reading a comic, you know, do you guys, do you guys know what I mean by that? Yeah. You you know, like if somebody is reading a comic and the whole time they're reading it, they're like, wow, look at that drawing. Like this person (laughs) must've really worked their, you know, like (laughs) if they're reading a comic and at the same time, they're like, this person must've really worked their ass off. Then it's like, then you didn't do a very good job because they're supposed to be reading the comic. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to be invisible in the sense of like you're, um, yeah, I've just always felt like you work that hard to sort of try to be invisible in the process, you know, but you work your tail off to do that for something that somebody probably is going to read in 10 minutes, you know, right? oftentimes. If that. If that. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, this new issue, this new issue of Sammy, I said to you guys, I don't know, it's probably a 10, 15 minute read and. It's been 10 years since the last, you know, since the last issue, it's been 10 years and it feels really good to get it out. But also it's like, holy, 10 years is a long time. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. No, I mean, that's something I feel like cartoonists and comic people, we talk amongst ourselves about pretty often. Like that's a reoccurring topic of like the amount of time you pour into something like a comic page by page from beginning to end to how the reader experiences that thing it's it is not a one-to-one right like there's right no especially with like the growing like gimme gimme right culture content like content, content. It's i want, only I want worse. now i yeah. want now yeah exactly yeah 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 absolutely it's it's an it, you know it's an inherently absurd thing to do with your time that nobody nobody would put that kind of time in unless they they love it you know or it's truly a labor of love like there's way less benefits than (laughs) you know actual like well in my experience and i feel like especially in small press i feel like you really have to be in it for the love of the game right yeah yeah and um yeah and i think i was for a long time and also just you know with for, for basically my entire life you know, I've been the comics community and the music community. It's been something I've been part of, you know, and it, it always, it shifts and changes more than you, more than you realize in the moment, but it's, it's a, it's a great community. You know, it's a, <laughs> comics is a cool bunch of people, um, you know. Well, and I feel like it's like a, an everlasting tide that kind of, you know, rises and, you know, also falls. Now that said though, I do want to kind of get into like, your side of it as an educator as well. Sure. So, I mean, like, what do you think, like, as far as like, if you, sorry, my dogs are going crazy one second, but, um, yeah, if for some reason you were to, (laughs) they're just telling me to shut up, shut up, Cam. Yeah. I'm going to be so mad if you don't leave those dogs in. I'm just saying that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do know that, you know, uh, you're currently not teaching right now. But when you did, if there was something at the beginning of each semester that you set out, you know, because each student's going to have a different path, work in different styles, and then honestly come from different backgrounds with comics. You're probably going to have your independent people. You're going to have your mainstream people and so forth. So if there was like, is there one thing that you set out to accomplish each semester, like as like a general blanket that you hoped your students took away from, you know, learning from you? That's a good question. I think that changed a bunch over the years and it might have changed more than I wanted it to 
so I didn't, I didn't go to college at all. And I didn't, I didn't go to college, uh, for comics. I just, when I was, whenever I joined low, when I was 22, 23, something like that. And I left when I was 35. That's, that's like, like medical school, man. Like that's crazy. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 But yeah, it was, <laughs> I mean, it was really intense and it was really, um, I mean, I'm sure it was a blast, but like, damn. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was real intense, you know, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. But when I got, you know, that's sort of how I got into teaching is when I left, when I left low in 05, you know, I was like 35 and I, <laughs> you know, I was like, what am I going to, what am I going to do now? I didn't go to college. I don't. Yeah, it was tricky. But I, I got this cold call from the Minneapolis College of Art and Design saying, you know, we need, we need someone to try teaching. Do you want to do that? And I really didn't have any interest. You know, I had never thought like, oh, I'd like to try teaching comics. I was the idea of standing up in front of a group of people and talking about comics. It sounded awful to me, but I really needed the money, you know, and I was like, yeah, I'll I'll give this a shot. And I was really, really. (laughs) So um, the first. (laughs) Sorry, you guys ready for this? It's going to be a great story. Lay it on me. So I go in there and like, I've never, I've never gone to college. I have never even been to like a college class. Right. So they asked me to do this thing and I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll do that. I know all, you know, I know my comics, man. I know them back and forth. I can do this. And, and I was like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'll kind of go in and do this or I'll talk about this. And it was like a two and a half hour class. And I walked in and I wasn't cocky. I just didn't know what the hell I was supposed to do. Yeah. But I'd show up at this class and there's seven students and it's a two and a half hour class. And after like, I kind of say what I've prepped to say. And that's about seven minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I'm, and you just look up at the and clock. I'm just kinda, yeah. and I kind of, I kind of look at these seven students and they look back at me and they're kind of like, and I'm sweating and they, you know, I'm just, they're all looking at me like you got nothing, don't you? And I'm like, oh. Uh, <laughs> they see right through you. <laughs> oh, it was it was absolutely awful. Um sounds like a very humbling experience. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, and like about two or three, you know, but then I started I just started freaking out like how do I, you know, how do I make this work and yeah. calling everybody I know and talking to people who had, you know, I just didn't have any and I you know, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't given a, a lot of uh instructions about how to make it work either, you know. I was just a little thrown into it but um yeah they wrote like a letter after a couple weeks like to the chair saying this dude doesn't know what he's doesn't know what he's doing you know uh, fuck yeah yeah and um but then you know then i i got a sense of what i was supposed to do and how to how to do it and you know by the end of that semester they they were kind of like yeah that was good you know you you really didn't know what you were doing, but you, you got it together and, and that was a good class. Thank you. And I was like, great. But yeah, I mean, the first two, three years of it were total white knuckle trying to figure it out, but I ended up, you know, I ended up really liking it. And I, I thought actually one of the most valuable things that I could, that I could bring to them or express to them was, was the fact that I didn't go to school for this, you know, and, and that I, I wasn't going to blow smoke up their ass about, about what or, you know, what it was or wasn't, you know, about what, like comics are valuable as a skill for these, for these reasons, 
And these are, you know, skills that are applicable. This is the language of comics. And there's a lot of important things you have to know to pull off a, an even semi-decent comic, you know, and here's what they are. And, and, you know, at the beginning too, I had to put aside, I mean, if you're going to be a, t- a good teacher, you have to not, you sort of have to take your taste out of it, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. If somebody's there and they're in a comics class and they want to do something that you're totally uninterested in, in terms of genre or style or, or whatever, you are a shitty teacher if you're like, well, why don't you make that into an autobio comic? You know what I mean? Like, that's not. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's not. That's just you being. That's just you sort of inflicting your will upon someone, you know? So I, I think you kind of realize that your job is, okay, whatever this person is trying to do, it's, it's your job to, to help them do the best version of that, that they possibly can, you know? And, and, you know, also to sort of guide them, you know, and expose them to as many things as you possibly can so that they don't have that, maybe don't have that tunnel vision about what it is they want to do. You know, you can, if you just expose them to a, a bunch of different stuff, you know, I can't say the amount of times when I just bring in 40 pounds of books and just throw them out there. And, you know, a bunch of the students would be like, ah, well, whatever. But a bunch of the students would be like, what the, heck? I've never, what is this? I've never seen anything. What is this? You know, and you can sort of watch their, their entire perspective on this change. And that, that's an insanely rewarding feeling, you know, like Absolutely, a, yeah. as an, as an instructor, not, not like, oh, now they're going to do the kind of comics that I like or that I want, but just, you know, those are the moments in my life that I've treasured where it's somebody, whether it's music or comics or art or something, when somebody puts something in front of me and I'm like, I have to, I have to reconfigure the way I look at everything because of, because of what I'm seeing right here. You know, that's, that shit's the best. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's really refreshing to hear that from, from you because there are a number of educators who are currently teaching right now, like the next generation of potential comic creators who did not get that. You know what I mean? Like they, they got, they got the educator who only has this perspective, this aesthetic, and they are not willing to go outside their comfort zone beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. And I did not, I put it, I'm, I'm happy to be out of academia. Okay. I did. I was going to ask, yeah, are you, <laughs> do you think you'd ever go back or are you just out, out? No, I'm out. And, uh, and it's tough for me to, it's tough for me to talk about because I do not want to lapse into sour grapes or, or bitching or any, or anything like that. Okay. Hey, this is a safe space for sour grapes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I also don't want to, I, I don't want to shit all over, you know I mean? I had like a lot of amazing students you know, yeah, and, yeah. and I do feel, I am really proud of, of the teacher I ended up being, you know, largely, I think I, I think I was able to like, help a lot of, help a lot of people figure out what they wanted to do, you know, and maybe I just feel like I was able to be helpful to a lot of people over, over those years. But I also think that like a lot of the other structures that are all crumbling, I mean, higher education is, it's real fucked up. It's real fucked up. You know, I mean, you know, in your, in your head, when you're doing that again, as somebody who was self-taught, you know, at MCAT is like 36 grand a year. And, uh, 
I can't imagine being a working artist with that kind of debt. Yeah. And I mean, unfortunately, because, you know, I feel like this is just kind of off on a tangent, but I feel like because you're pushed to go to school so young, a lot of young artists end up with the debt, if not more, you know, just from trying to go to do a master's and whatnot. So it definitely is a, a massive problem in my eyes, especially when it's so hard, you know, in these times to make a living off of art uh, to even pay that shit back. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine, you know, like that. I feel like that's the only reason I was able to, you know, be a working artist all these years is because if I was paying off that debt, I would have been totally hosed. And, you know, you kind of have to separate that from like, I am trying to give folks stuff that I think is valuable, you know, that has value. Like, I can't think about how much you're paying for this because for some of you, you know, your parents are paying for all of it. For some of you, you're working a bunch of jobs. Like, I just don't know. You know, I just have to try and make sure that right. I have to try and make sure that I'm giving you everything I got in terms of that. And part of that is me being like, you are a great cartoonist and you make weirdo comics and you're great at it. And we need to have a conversation about the fact that this is all, you know, like you're, you're never going to make a living at this, Be, not because you're not good, but because <laughs> It's just the reality just of the situation. It's just the reality, you know, yeah. and, um, yeah, you know, like, you, I mean, you could always hit the lottery, you know, and get that one in a million chance where, but I mean, to be honest, I mean, we're all at the same shows in the same trenches, you know, uh, there's the age old joke that, you know, the small press is just the same $20 bill passed around, yep. you know? Yep. <laughs> so, and, I mean, and even that not much has changed. Yeah. And even that's got a bunch of worth to it, you know, and like we might be all trading around the same bill, but we're all we're all happy to be giving each other that twenty dollar bill, you know, right. Like, it's like, yeah, these are the people that get it, you know, and and um, and that's not I, I again, like culturally, <laughs> what we're supposed to do is sort of value like, well, the more books you sell or the more money you make or whatever that that's kind of the sign of success or validity or whatever. But man, it's, you know, you, you reach a thousand people with your awesome fucked up little comic book. That's not, that's not a small thing. That's a thousand, that's no, a thousand agree. people. <laughs> yeah, you know what definitely. I mean? Like, I mean, no, I mean, that's, that's a great uh, amount of readership, especially to have here uh, in this side of comics, you know, um, some people might scoff at that on the other end of it. But I mean, like you said, that's a very powerful readership. Uh, if you can cultivate that, I do want to talk about process. But before we do that, JB, do you have any last questions about education or anything like that that you want to get out of the way before we move on to process? Uh, yeah, I'm just uh, I did, but uh, we can move on. <laughs> well, yeah. Did you want did you want me to bitch more? <laughs> well, I just, I think that your criticisms, you know, I don't know what your criticisms are of academia, but I can assume what those might be besides, you know, the high price point, especially for private colleges, the sort of culture that exists within academia. You know, you don't have to like make it where you're just venting. It can be like a, just a very dry, critical uh, breakdown of the things that you, that didn't sit well with you. In terms yeah. of like, I mean, I think it's going around, you know, I mean, I think uh, the criticisms that I have are, are, I think are echoed by a lot of people where it's just become very admin heavy, you know, and mm -hmm. I think a yeah. lot of the, a lot of the decisions being made, I think the the instructors, particularly if you are in the adjunct game, mm -hmm. 
you know, I mean, people said this to me when I started off where it was like, you know, academia, it's really cutthroat and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, eh, I'm coming from a band, you guys, everybody, you might all be being a little bit dramatic, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, but it is, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of strange stuff that goes on there. And, you know, yeah, again, just, you know, it does seem like the administrative end of it, the division between that and the actual people teaching, mm -hmm. that's a pretty, that's a pretty wide gap, you know, and it's, yeah. um, and the way it, the way it plays out, I think is really, is often really unfortunate, you know, and for the same reasons that we were talking about where it's, it's a system that's sort of really wants you to stay in the system <laughs> you know like yeah. the longer yeah. the longer you keep pursuing degrees the more money they get um yeah i mean that would bring to my point of like i've always had this attitude specifically with private art colleges you know a little bit to a certain degree with state schools but for the most part this applies to mostly uh, private colleges private institutions is that the the admin effectively just views their student body as atms and all yes uh, that yes as time went on that that became really depressing to me where where it was kind of like this is just a business you know mm -hmm. which is one thing you know a lot of but but it's a business that sort of couches its business in in doing in art stuff. speak in well even not in art speak in sort of education speak like this is we can do this because we're educators oh yeah pedagogy because, yeah. you know we're yeah you know we are uh we're providing this service and everything and it's kind of like yeah um no you're just you're just a business like everything else and right. you you are making a lot of decisions based solely on money and you are also treating a lot of the people that work for you not <laughs> yeah no i mean you know the, the, like the, like right. like mcdonald's employees you know what i mean yeah. adjuncts right. are kind of like you're mm -hmm. what you're you, replaceable you, yeah you're totally replaceable and it's never a spoken thing but it's it's sort of like well here's this class if you don't want it there's eight people behind you right rather than like you yeah. know for me it's like i've been here for fucking 14 years and you know and it's like uh, you know, I, at the end of the day, it's like I was there for 14 years. My chair, you know, I'd get these like interschool emails that were like, let's say goodbye to this accountant who's been here for six months and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it was like an all school email and I had been there for 14 years and it's like I left yeah, and, and there was and, and I can cut like I my chair was wonderful. A lot of the people I taught with were wonderful. But yeah, anybody above the chair admin wise, right? You know, they would not they would not know my name. And that's that's sad. And it's also like if you're saying you're all about the students, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't then you should be valuing. Yeah, show it. Yeah, show it. And, you know, we don't need a monologue. Just show it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah, fuck. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> well, I do want to go ahead and get into some process stuff. And I'm sure this has changed for you over the years. And um, that said, you know, I know you took a step away, so it may have changed. But, you know, speaking, you know, generally, and then also if you want to get in specifics as well, have you always made time for comics when you were attempting to be an active cartoonist? And if so, what does that look like? Is that like just kind of sneaking it in where you can fit it? Is it making sure to take, you know, a certain amount of time per day. Essentially, how does the bacon get made? I think, 
again, going back to that conversation with Noah, you know, I think it's always the bacon has got made like when I can make the bacon. <laughs> you know? For sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, how can I fit in making the bacon? You know, and it's one of those things you guys know, it's like a chicken egg thing. That's really confusing the metaphor. But like, if you're not getting if you have to work a bunch, if you're not getting paid very well to do this thing, then you have to find ways to fit it in in between things that are paying work, you know, and that can be and, you know, as your life changes, like, I got married, and then I had kids, and that stuff shifts everything considerably, you know, like you all of a sudden have even less time to carve out to to do that thing. So you just fit it in wherever you can. And just to finish that sentence about talking with Noah, I mean, I, I also realized that I like doing, I like doing other things as much as I like doing comics. And I think that kind of took me a long time to admit, you know, <laughs> like you felt that you had to be like fully in yeah. and yeah. is that, yeah. yeah, I was like, yeah, I, bunch, I do a bunch of different stuff, but primarily I view myself as a cartoonist, which I think I love making comics, but I don't think I'm really hardwired to just do that, to just make comics. Writing a song is pretty great. And, uh, and I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's easier than making a comic, but it's just a completely different, you know, thing that you can get an equal charge out of. You know, it's it, of course you, know, you can. It is something that potentially can be done very quickly. You know, like, yeah, you know, if you're. If you're in a certain state, it's like you can sit down and this part comes and then you're like, huh, about that, you know, like you can potentially be done writing a song in 10 minutes. That's never happened with me, but it's pretty arduous. But, you know, with a comic, it's sort of like you have this idea and it's going to take it's going to take quite a while before that, you know, the full circle gets closed. Right. Not only in between you making it, you know, having the thing and then executing it on paper and then... You know, I mean, for me, it's, it's like the end. I, I don't, <laughs> I think other people getting your art is when it's actually done. I don't think it's done when you're finished with it. Mm -hmm. I think it's done. I think it's done when it actually goes out and communicates with other people. That's like, that's like the electrical circuit that, that gets closed. And I don't think it gets closed until, until other people experience that thing. And so with comics, the, it can take a very, very long time um, for that entire process to work itself out, you know? I mean, sure. uh, less so now. I yeah, mean, I find that so interesting though, right? Like, because with music, the end game in most cases is that you go out and you perform, right? You tour, you get it in front of people, and the gratification is far more immediate yes. than, say, making a comic, getting it published, printed, getting it distributed, going to shows, selling it at a table, hoping people buy it, and you just don't know. Yeah, and then even after that, you know, and that's another thing with comics is that you have to get yourself used to is like, you can make the best comic in the world. That in no way means that you're ever going <laughs> to hear that from people. Right. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the final thing is like, how do you in the end know that you communicated the thing that you want to communicate or that people got what you were trying to put out there? You know, it's right that you either have to talk to them or they write you a letter or something. And those are 
those are huge crapshoots, you know, whether somebody's going to walk up to you at a show and be like, I loved your comic. And that, you know, that might be it actually, you know, and you can't stop <laughs> yeah. them and be like, well, did you get that joke on page five? You know, and they'll right. be like, what? Yeah. You know, and then they're just going to run yeah. away from you, which is fine. But yeah. yeah, it's just a totally different, it's a totally different thing. So I guess this is like, uh, you know, how you feel, this next question, I guess you could answer it how you feel personally, but also just, you know, generally as well. Bringing up the interesting point that, you know, the final cycle of art is being consumed. Do you believe in like, or not even necessarily do you believe, but do you make art for yourself or do you feel there is a purpose for that? Or do you approach every single project with this is going to get released? I think, you know, I did I send you guys full wrath, the prose thing? I didn't get that one. No, I got the... uh Everything that I was looking over today was uh, illustrated. Then I got the CD as well. So yeah, I don't Son think I got bitch. that. It's okay. Oh though. man, that's a. I mean, that's a full prose book, and uh, and that actually came out as a series of zines. That was just. It's like an autobio of me trying to remember, like when I was twenty, when I was right before low. I forged a bus pass and rode it around the country for a while, and I ended up in Oakland, and it was just like you know, young chaos type stuff. And I just started writing about that strictly for myself. And, you know, then about 60 pages in, I was like, maybe I'll turn this into a zine because it sort of turns out this isn't. I thought I was just writing this for myself, but because I'm writing it for myself and not thinking about other <laughs> people or how it might be taken, it's, uh, I, I think it's coming out well because of that. Do you know what I No, definitely. You know yeah. Your process was making it, I guess, you know, make it and you see it that way. I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this harkens back to sort of me talking about why I quit and why I'm starting again. And even why you would make, why anybody would make art right now. <laughs> I mean, those were like, you know, those were, I mean, there's a bunch of personal stuff, but there's also just, you know, I think I was making, I was making art and, uh, there was no, I didn't know why I was making it. And it certainly wasn't bringing me any joy or even any sort of like deep satisfaction. I was doing it just cause, just cause I was doing it and that's what I am and, and what I do. And I don't think that, that like joy is an, is a necessary component for art. But I think if you hate, I think what you do is making you miserable. When you give that to other people, it's going to make them miserable too. And I don't think that there's, I don't think there's a lot of room for that shit right now. You know what I mean? I think there's a lot of misery all over the place and I don't, I don't want to add to that pile of misery. Yeah, that is totally fair. I think. Yeah. Well, with, uh, with process, I know a lot of people approach comic making, uh, differently. A lot of folks have their own personal sort of guidelines, philosophies, whatever. Uh, a lot mm -hmm. of people tend to believe that the drawing should inform the writing, whereas a lot of other people view it the other way around. So how do you usually approach a comic? Hmm. Well, the Sammy the Mouse stuff was kind of, uh, you know, I, I was reading a lot of Dr. Seuss because I, I had a young kid and there was just this, this kind of energy to it. I don't know. I wanted to do a comic that was like, that process for me was interesting because I was like, you know, in my earlier days, I would have sort of an idea of what I wanted a comic to be about. 
or I would have a drawing and I would base off that or something I had written that I would build a, build a story off of that. And it just came, every single one of them came differently. But with the same of the mouse stuff, I, I really purposely wanted to, to write it or to make it in comics form. You know what I mean? Like not, I wanted to work it all out on the page as I was drawing it, you know, like, yeah, I would do thumbnails every once in a while, but, but I wanted to like really dig into like, this is written not in the component parts of the language of comics, but within the language of comics Mm -hmm. itself, you know, like I want this to happen on, on the page. And obviously I have some overarching ideas of like where this is going to go and how it's, and how it's going to work. But I also wanted to leave room for, I mean, you know, the other thing about comics is like you, you can get in, some people like this, but you can get into that bricklayer mode, you know, where you've got the whole thing scripted, then you pencil the whole thing, then you ink the whole thing. And after a while, it's just like, like there aren't a lot of surprises, you know, you're, you're yeah. just kind of, you're just kind of executing, right? you yeah. know, and sometimes that can be great, but I wanted there to be surprises and stuff. I wanted to keep myself really interested in the page and the story as it was, as it was occurring in real time, if, if that makes sense. No. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, like I can appreciate the approach of being extremely methodical about the process. Yeah. And just like planning and mapping everything out, knowing exactly how everything's going to be executed. Whereas, you know, personally speaking, I prefer to have that sort of question mark while I'm working. Yeah, me too. You know, and I think of someone like, like Charles Burns, you know, who I, I think he's, he's definitely, you know, that's, I, I don't know Charles well, but I know him, I know him some, and I think it's very much like very methodical. Everything's planned out. He, you know, he just like executes perfectly, you know? And I think there's a lot to be, again, it just comes down to like different personalities and different work, you know? just how you work and what you're into. And me saying all that stuff about Sammy the mouse, it also, it wasn't like I, like I sat down and planned that. It was just sort of like, how do I, how do I get this story across? And that, that was the way that it made sense. But, but, you know, maybe that was, that was a good thing because, you know, like I said, it's been 10 years since the last issue and what, and the reason I put it down for 10 years is like, you know, a bunch of life stuff happened. I, my marriage ended all this stuff. And I had to kind of reassess like, man, I don't even know what, is this comic about the same thing? What, you know, like, I don't even know if this is about what it was when I started this comic. You know what I mean? Like I've changed a lot. Things have changed a lot. Like, and, uh, and you know, I mean, I think having the, the malleability to, to even dig into something and be like, okay, all of those things on the table, do you still, do you still know why you're doing this and what this thing is about? And I think for a, a number of years I didn't. And, and then I was like, yeah, actually I, actually I do. <laughs> so I'm going to put out another issue. So the conscious decision to wait until you kind of knew exactly what you were going to do with this new issue of Sammy the mouse, you didn't put anything out in between uh, book two and three. Yeah. Like no, as far I've... as comics wise. No, I mean that that recidivist you guys got, the one with the yeah. spirals on that. Like I I yes. self I self-released that on Lomano and that Did you guys I, did you guys ever run across the original version of that? 
No, I've never actually seen it. I have run across the original, you know, Sammy book over at Fantagraphics, but okay, yeah the 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 original Recidivist four. I did that. I had an offset press, I, and I had a risograph. So I did that oh, was yeah. that was a zine that I did on. It was nine colors on the Rizzo, and then the whole thing went through a pass on my. I did all the um all the text in metallic silver on my offset press. And I hand collated and fold them and all that. And I did 800 of those. But I mean, it was, it was a very, it was a very purposeful, like, I want to make an incredibly fucked up object that Mm -hmm. handmade object that like you can't, yeah, that just absolutely feels like somebody touched and made every single part of this. And I did, you know, 800 of those. And then what, when they were all gone, I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not making any of those again so um so leon at secret acres was down to to reprint it so that's sort of the thing you guys have is kind of the professionally printed one whereas the one i did was was full-on zine yeah i just really i was really digging into the like what is it what does it mean to have a handmade zine and and what can you do with that and how how absurd can you go with that idea and, and still have it still have it work so i did that in between and then i that the prose thing i wrote full wrath and, uh, yeah. And I put out a hand record and yeah, I, I mean, that's what I mean. There's always been not just comics, you know, where I'm working in other, I just, I jump around a lot, you know, where it's like, right. And, uh, I like doing that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it keeps you engaged as an artist and, um, you know, it's pretty cool that you're able to draw upon different fan bases and so forth as well. Um, you know, cause you are, you know, we're probably not going to devote as much time into music here since we're more comic centric. But I mean, there are soundtracks to these books that we're talking about, you know, that you've also included with the packaging. So and I think that as artists, you know, we tend to get bored, especially when we force ourselves to I don't want to say force ourselves, but when we're, you know, working on a project that might be taking a certain length of time, uh, that burnout can be very real. So I feel like jumping around and having the ability to stay engaged with different avenues of still creating. Uh, there's definitely worth to that, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, and I, lo- I I know a lot of folks who are really like, this is my, you know, where they do hone in on that one, you know, Alan from Lowe has always been that way, of sort of like, this is this is my outlet. This is where all this stuff goes, you know, and, and I'm a lot more kind of just follow my, you know, like follow my nose. I mean, I did that, I did that issue of Recidivist, because, you know, the Sammy the Mouse was sort of driving me, driving me a little bonkers. Um, so I did the recidivist. And then, yeah. And then after that, I was actually working on this, <laughs> on this, I was pitching a 250 page, 300 page um, comic book biography of Philip K. Dick that I was working on for, for quite a while. And th- that shit the bed in a way where I was like, yeah, I mean, I was a good ways into that thing. And I was really, really really digging into it hard. And when, yeah, when that shit the bed, I had to take, I think that was actually when I had to take a serious break from comics. You know, you're obviously here doing, you know, promo and press for the new book, which was put out on Kilgore. Uh, what was the decision to go with Kilgore as opposed to self-releasing, you know, through Lamano? Well, it's a co-release. It's a co-release of uh, Lamano and Kilgore. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's because I love Dan. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I was like, you know, if we did this together, you're you're better at promotion than I am. I was like, this would just give us an opportunity to talk on the phone and hang out more. You want to do this? And he was like, yeah. 
and yeah, sometimes it's that easy, you know, just your buddies and just, hey, let's do this, which is honestly the best kind of relationship you can have when it's that simple. You know, you don't have to overcomplicate it and bring a bunch of bullshit into the relationship. You know, I don't. That's when things get that's when things get weird with comics and with everything else, where it's like there's not there's not enough. <laughs> like if we were talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars or even thousands of dollars, just the reason to do these things is to get them out there, you know, and, and make your money mm-hmm. and make your money back. And if you can and get it into people's hands and and that's there's no sort of grand scheme of taking over the world, you know? Right. Unless you're just delusional about it. Yeah. Which, which I, what, I have met people in small press that believe that it's possible and Hey, good riddance and good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they can, you know, if they can swing it, that's great. I just, uh, you know, the business history doesn't lie. <laughs> yeah. And, and the business end of this, you know, I think you dig too far into the business end of this and, and, and that'll, that'll wipe you out a little bit. And just the older I get, the more I realize that to, if you really want to hang out with the people you love and your and your friends, you know, then you kind of have to invent, you have to invent projects <laughs> that'll force you to hang out. I mean, that's basically this pod. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, right? Yeah, we're, we're, it, totally, yeah. it totally fucking works because if you don't have that, like, let's do this thing, then it's always like, ah, I... Yeah, we were going to get coffee, but I had this thing or like, you know what I mean? You just you have to. There's stakes involved. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Even if it's not like, you know, life altering, you know, there's still stakes. You right. know, like at the end of the day, it's just comics. But hey, there's a there's a purpose here. Yeah. And also it's like we have this thing to do. Let's do this thing together. Mm-hmm. And I th- yeah. You, you know, and uh, I think those things are great. So, yeah, you know, and Dan. Dan's just one of the best dudes there is. And it's totally worked because we've been able to, you know, now we talk on the phone more than we did before. Hell yeah. Well, um, before we get out of here and we'll let you plug everything at the end, we did get a couple questions for you. Oh, really? From our uh, our avid fan base. So um, one was not a uh, question, but rather a statement um, from Neil.art. I had a 370 word question, but Instagram didn't allow me to DM it to you. Um, if this happens in the future, uh, you can just not use a little question box and DM it. But yeah, no. So uh, first real question, though, this one um, and, I, and I can tell you who it was off air. But for on air purposes, <laughs> is this going to be horrible? No, it's not horrible. But this was submitted and was asked to be asked anonymously. So um, uh, here's the exact reading of the question. Can I ask Zach a question anonymously? Please do not give me credit for this question. Yeah. <laughs> How was working with Fantagraphics? Were there any conversations or expectations about if they'd keep your books in print? Well, I love Fantagraphics. Sure. This is a way longer pause than I meant it to be. Um, (laughs) We we can fix all this in post. Don't worry. (laughs) I kind of want to keep that in because that's funny as hell. (laughs) You know, I mean, I think it's like Fantagraphics was deeply, deeply formative for everything, for the way I view comics and what they, what they are and what they can be. You know, when I was, when I was a young teen, and everything was superheroes, they were, it's, it's sort of impossible for me to describe how, how much they changed, like what a voice in the wilderness they were about that comics were art. 
You know, I mean, I think it's something that's really taken for granted now. But when they were doing the comics journal and when they started Fantagraphics, that was not the case at all. And they were dogged proponents of of that reality, you know, and they put out a bunch of my favorite comics of all time. And I love them. And they're fucking weirdos. (laughs) (gasps) Yeah, I I mean, you'd have to be to be putting this stuff out and, you know, taking the risks they have been over time. So. And I think they are a business. I, I hope this sounds correct. I mean, they are a business, you know, but I think they ended up being a business secondary to the fact that they wanted to put out comics. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it, it was definitely like them just wanting to put out what they thought, you know, should be the kind of comics that should be published on the racks. And I don't think that they were in it to make money. I mean, I read that big, gigantic book, and it never I never got that vibe. But I mean, to be honest, you know, calling a spade a spade, Fantagraphics has been on life support at multiple times through, you know, the life of that business. And um, I feel like they always end up surviving because the passion that they have ends up, you know, keeping them afloat. You know, people don't want to see them go away. They're always going to be around as long as... Well, I don't want to say they're always going to be around, but history has shown that they've always been able to, you know, weather the storm. And I think it's because they're putting out what they want this whole time. Yeah. And I think they, you know, in the answer to the, to the anonymous question, I, I mean, I think, put it this way, I know a number of my fanographics books, or actually there hasn't been that many, but I know they put it out. You know, like when Kim Thompson was alive, I was like, can we do this thing with this book? And he was like, yeah, I mean, this book isn't going to sell shit, but I'd be happy to do that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of how Kim was. And he's like, well, can't you just tell me that it's going to sell a lot? Just like <laughs> lie to me or something, you know? But I mean, I think they have put out a great number of books just because they love them and that they knew they were going to lose money on them, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think they've also put out books that they thought they were going to make money on and they didn't. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think they're doing that right now as we speak. And I've I've been sort of out of the game, so I don't uh, I'm really not as aware as I used to as I used to be. But yeah. um, and I'm not reading as many comics as I used to. So you're not missing much. <laughs> nah, just joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. OK. Last question is from uh, Instagram user D Moses. They ask, did you make comics on tour with low? What did that look like? Yeah, first two issues of Recidivist that got um, that got collected in the Like a Dog book from Fantagraphics. Those I kind of squeezed in between, but it was, you know, you know, I would try to bring stuff on tour and work on it on tour, and that, that was tough. So I would just, you know, when we had downtime or we, we weren't on tour, I would try and bang it up then. Were you all a bus or a van band? Oh, we were a van. So it was probably hard as fuck to draw in the van, I'm assuming. Yeah, it just wasn't really a thing that, that could happen, you know? Yeah, I guess it's always, it's always just been, you know, when, when can I find time to work on this? Like I have a chunk here and, you know, with anything, it's, it's kind of, you start off and then you, and then you gain speed. And as it gets closer to the end, you, you carve out more time, you know, all these folks who do it every day, you know, a lot of, a lot of it is inertia, you know, like you get in a mode where you're doing this every day and then you try and stay there. And I could certainly do that for stretches, you know, but then something, you know, then that stretch would end and I'd have to do something else for a while. And then, you know, 
find another block of time and, and try and build up that inertia again. That's always kind of been the deal, you know? For sure. So was it easier for you to, I guess, to kind of get you to elaborate on that? Was it easier for you to work on comics like off tour? Yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. say, yeah, the answer to that question was I was barely ever able to work on comics on tour at all. I kept, but there you go. Like I kept this, I kept a crazy journal of all those years, you know, where I would, uh, you can't, I couldn't pull out a page of comics and work on it in the van, but I could go for a walk after sound check, get a cup of coffee and, and write in my journal for, for a couple hours, you know? And sure. And again, I sort of view all that stuff as, as the same thing, you know, it's, so well, I, I view it as the same thing, but but some stuff you do is maybe in, intended for public consumption and some of it isn't. Mm-hmm. And actually, sometimes you even get that wrong. You know, like I did this for public consumption. I probably should have kept it to myself or or vice versa. You know, I I think figuring out that you asking yourself what your intent is and answering it honestly is always should be a, a big part of of how you approach anything. Hell yeah. All right. Well, uh, Zach, I guess before we get out of here today, um, you know, I know you're going to be at cake here next week. Uh, we'll see you there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's coming up next? You know, I know you're, uh, you just got done with TCAF, you know, where can people find you online, check you out, buy your books, see you on the road, et cetera. Uh, I got uh, big cartel, Lamano 21 big cartel. I think most of the stuff I have available is, is on there. So you can pick stuff up there. We're doing cake. I might, be doing SPX. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm doing all that. I'm trying to actually open a print shop right okay. now. So, uh, yeah, t-shirts well, and uh, posters and stuff. So yeah. Any social media for that or your personal social media where people can stay up to date on uh, that? Just Zach Sally on Instagram. That's, that's the only social media I do, but yeah, I'm kind of working on that right now. Hell yeah. Well, uh, best of luck, uh, you know, going forth uh, with that and, uh, you know, We'll definitely see you on the road. And uh, yeah, the new book uh, looks, feels, and reads great. Um, so make sure to pick it up if you see Zach on the road. All right. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, man. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, once again, thanks for uh, Zach for coming on and uh, really being able to, to talk to us about his work and, and his experiences. And until next time, stay gutter.